Davis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Hostage agreement reached. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Wednesday, November 22nd. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Israel and Hamas have agreed to a four-day pause in fighting that would allow for the release of some hostages held by Hamas and prisoners held by Israel. U.S. fighter jets have again launched strikes against militants in Iraq that are supported by Iran. From the automobile market, citing a pullback in demand for electric vehicles, Ford is scaling back construction of a battery plant in Michigan. And why Black Friday is for suckers. A couple of weeks ago, I needed to get a pair of sneakers and I, you know, I did the usual drill in my head. Oh, I better wait till back Friday because there'll be amazing sales. And, you know, I mean, you know, and so that, and then I said, well, who am I kidding? A, I really need a new pair of sneakers. And B, when I started to shop around, I was like, first I got a 10% off deal. Then I went through Rakuten, which is a cashback app. And so I got more money from that. Charles Passy at MarketWatch says no. You don't need to camp out overnight at the store to get a big discount on a new TV. The hostage agreement has been reached between Israel and Hamas, in which there will be a four-day pause in fighting to allow the release of 50 hostages held in Gaza in exchange for 150 Palestinians imprisoned in Israel. The deal will also allow the entry of humanitarian, medical, and fuel aid into Gaza, which is ruled by Hamas, a group a group deemed a terrorist organization by the U.S. and others. In Washington, National Security Council spokesman John Kirby. You know, I think we all need to be humble in in terms of of, uh, the time, the appropriate amount of time it, it could take to physically move them to safety. Hamas is believed to be holding more than 200 hostages taken when its fighters attacked inside Israel early last month, killing 1,200 people. A statement by Israel says for every 10 additional hostages released, the pause would be extended by another day. The U.S. believes that three Americans, including a three-year-old girl whose parents were among those killed during Hamas's attack, are expected to be among the hostages to be released. In response to dozens of recent attacks against U.S. troops in the Middle East, American fighter jets earlier today struck two sites in Iraq used by Iran-linked militants. U.S. Central Command and defense officials say it's the fourth round of American retaliatory airstrikes in response to near-daily spates of attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria by Iran-backed groups. The attacks began in mid-October, 10 days after Hamas's deadly terror attack on Israel. Pentagon Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh says U.S. forces have been attacked about 66 times since October 17th, 32 separate times in Iraq and 34 separate times in Syria. We were able to identify the point of origin of these attacks because an AC-130 was up already in the area and therefore was able to respond. Today's strikes were partly in response to militants launching two close-range ballistic missiles at U.S. forces on Al-Assad Air Base in western Iraq, injuring as many as eight service members. This was the first use of ballistic missiles against Americans in the region since mid-October. In another wild turn of events in the tech industry, OpenAI says Sam Altman will return as chief executive of the artificial intelligence startup that he co-founded days after he was fired by the board. We get more from this morning's Mike Gavin. The company behind ChatGPT says it will have a new initial board. In addition, the board and Mr. Altman's team have also agreed to conduct an independent investigation into his conduct and the board's decision to oust him five days ago. 
Three of the four board members involved in removing Mr. Altman won't be part of the initial board. Since the board unexpectedly fired Mr. Altman, investors have been pushing the directors to reinstate him. Hundreds of employees have threatened to quit, and Microsoft said it was hiring him to lead a new advanced AI research team. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. The announcement marks the end of an impasse over who would lead the company that's become synonymous with the boom in AI technology. The Wall Street Journal says the confusion over OpenAI's future and leadership created a days-long drama that gripped Silicon Valley and the business world. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, your personal HelloFresh holiday helper. Seriously, make your holiday festivities stand out with HelloFresh with over 45 scrumptious recipes that will impress at your party. This season, indulge in the joy of cooking made simple. HelloFresh delivers right to your door so it's convenient and saves time. And with the very specific step-by-step instructions from HelloFresh, it's easy for someone with zero kitchen skills like me to follow along. Make it the tastiest holiday season yet with HelloFresh. HelloFresh lets me ditch the store run. No stressing about running back and forth or worrying about forgetting something. Their farm-fresh and pre-portioned ingredients make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free and use code Gordon Free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free with the code Gordon Free. Unleash the tasty seasonal flavors from America's number one meal kit. Order HelloFresh today at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free. Thanks for being with us. The national debt has reemerged as a paramount economic issue for the first time in nearly a decade, raising alarms from Congress to Wall Street. But Eleanor Mueller, economics reporter at Politico, says even with all the outward drama, there's little evidence that Washington is ready to stem the tide of red ink. Eleanor, explain. Yeah, so long story short, the national debt is getting more and more expensive. Interest rates are going up. It's costing us an incredible amount of money just to continue to be owing this much. And in speaking with a dozen lawmakers on Capitol Hill, I found over and over that even Republicans themselves acknowledge a real inability to reach consensus as far as what the answer is. All right. So as you say, as you say, with with all the outward drama, there's little evidence that Washington is ready to stem the tide of red ink. How come? It's a great, great question. And I think Republicans, especially right now, are struggling to answer that themselves. You know, this is something that they've made a cornerstone of many of their campaigns, reducing the national debt. And nonetheless, there's a lot of hesitation to make the hard decisions that would need it to be made to reach that point. You know, there's a couple of things on the table that could help us at the very least stabilize our national debt. Those include raising taxes, you know, looking at entitlement programs. And there are very few Republicans who are, one, willing to consider those, and two, if they are, you know, willing to say that they'll consider those, because those are not very popular choices. Right. Uh, Who's sounding the alarm these days about national debt? I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of, specifically, I mean, Republicans, this has been something that they, in particular, have been uh, attuned to for quite a while. And they are the ones who are, you know, often in close contact with Wall Street. So we are seeing banks, especially right now, kind of look at the cost, the rising cost of maintaining our national debt and reaching out to their allies on Capitol Hill and saying, hey, this is not sustainable. We need to do something. Hmm. We're speaking with Eleanor Mueller. 
economics reporter at Politico. Her piece is called Washington Blinks as Debt Costs Begin to Bite. You brought up a great point in your story um, and sort of raised the question, what does reigning in debt even mean? Anybody take a stab at a definition? Well, for a while, we were looking at basically balancing the budget, um, or at least that was the goal for some, you know, this idea that we would not be spending more than we were taking in in revenue. That is something that is so far out of reach right now. I think everyone on Capitol Hill and elsewhere can admit. And so now what we're really looking at is stabilizing the debt, right? Just basically bringing down the rate at which the debt is increasing at least somewhat so that we're not going up at such an exponentially high rate. What do voters say about this? I, I feel like we, we say one thing, but we actually mean another. So I think it's fascinating what voters have to say about this, because for a long time, right, the national debt was this abstract concept. You know, we saw those debt clocks on the streets of D.C. and elsewhere saying the number going up, here's how much money the U.S. owes right now. And there, it didn't feel like there was any real impact, you know, and so we're kind of seeing that start to shift. And I think lawmakers themselves are taking a note of that. Uh, we're seeing polls that show us again and again that the national debt actually is something that Americans are concerned about. And as House Budget Chairman Jody Arrington told me, you know, he thinks that voters are starting to make that connection to themselves. You know, it was, again, something that there was this abstract concept that did not affect them in their day to day. Um, and now, you know, they're looking at inflation, they're looking at their savings, and they're kind of saying, maybe this is a problem. And, you know, maybe I do want my elected officials to do something about it. Yeah. And then, and then, and then it gets explained, like what might have to be done. And then voters turn their backs, I, I think. Exactly. So if, I, I mean, you, you referenced that the Republicans are going to create this fiscal commission. I mean, and in my opinion, it's not going to change. There's not going to be nothing. It's going to be new here about what needs to change. I mean, Social Security and Medicare, I, I think, have to be adjusted unless there's going to be across the board cuts everywhere else. But that just seems to be a small sliver of this overall pie. Yeah, th this idea of the fiscal commission was created by Bill Heisinga, who is a Republican from Michigan. And for a long time now, he said, you know, we should really make a team of people that can sit down from both sides of the aisle and have these uncomfortable conversations. It's something that has resurfaced, especially in the last few weeks. You know, they're kind of looking at it in all seriousness, pulling this together, but it really does not have the Democratic buy-in. It needs to be successful. The White House has said that they have serious concerns about it. Chuck Schumer in the Senate has said that he has no interest in putting it up for a vote or so it seems. And for it to work right, you can't really do it without a vote. You need to have the left, the other side of the aisle, also agree that this is something they see as a positive step forward. And we're just we're lacking that that crucial element right now. Thanks, Eleanor. Eleanor Mueller, economics reporter at Politico. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel and Hamas have agreed to a humanitarian pause, allowing 50 civilian hostages in the Gaza Strip to be released in exchange for Palestinian prisoners. Following mediation by the U.S., Qatar, and Egypt, Israel's government and Hamas militants have agreed to a ceasefire that will last four days and could be extended. Israeli government spokesman Avi Hyman on Fox. This by no means is the end of our war against Hamas. Our war, the mission of our war is to fully dismantle Hamas, to fully dismantle their military uh, operation. 
their governance over Gaza. Israeli cabinet members approved the deal just after 3 a.m. today in Jerusalem and said it would be the first stage of hostage release. The pause is also expected to allow the entry of a larger number of humanitarian convoys and relief aid, including fuel to run generators. Number two. U.S. fighter aircraft struck two Hezbollah operation centers in Iraq in response to attacks on U.S. bases that injured several U.S. service members. Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh. Immediately following the attack, a U.S. military AC-130 aircraft in the area conducted a self-defense strike against an Iranian-backed militia vehicle and a number of Iranian-backed militia personnel involved in this attack. This self-defense strike resulted in some hostile fatalities. To date, U.S. bases in Iraq and Syria have been struck 66 times since October 17th. Number three. The federal government dealt a massive blow to Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, which agreed to pay a $4 billion settlement as its founder and CEO, Zhang Peng Zhao, pleaded guilty to a felony related to his failure to prevent money laundering on the platform. Attorney General Merrick Garland. This will advance our criminal investigations into malicious cyber activity and terrorism fundraising, including the use of cryptocurrency exchanges to support groups such as Hamas. Zhao stepped down as the company's CEO and Binance admitted to violations of sanctions programs. Well, unless you're Gordon Deal, your favorite part of Thanksgiving will probably be the turkey. According to a new AP poll, 32% say turkey is their favorite dish, while cranberries or cranberry sauce is their least favorite. Pumpkin pie is the safe bet if you want to make the average guest happy. One-third say that's their preferred dessert. 17% prefer pecan pie. One of the holiday's biggest divides is whether marshmallows belong on sweet potato dishes. 32% want them, 26% do not. The ultimate Thanksgiving forkful, <laughs> stuffing mashed potatoes cranberry sauce on one fork. No. Yes. No. Skip the turkey. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for being with us. A number of Americans feel Black Friday is a bit of a myth, meaning it's a marketing tool just to goad Americans to shop more than necessary. And Market Watch reporter Charles Passy says the deals it offers aren't necessarily that out of the ordinary. Charles is not a believer in Black Friday hype. Well, I'm not one of those people. That's basically what this column is about. And, you know, kind of what emerged is, is you know, I, I, I sort of ended up writing this piece because I don't know, a couple of weeks ago I needed to get a pair of sneakers. And, I, you know, I did the usual drill in my head. Oh, I better wait till Black Friday because there'll be amazing sales. And, you know, I mean, you know, and so that... And then I said, well, who am I kidding? A, I really need a new pair of sneakers. And B, when I started to shop around, I was like, first I got a 10% off deal. Then I went through Rakuten, which is a cashback app. And so I got more money from that. And in the end, you know, I basically saved, I actually saved 20% on the sneakers. And really, you know, with, with Black Friday, you know, you're not necessarily going to get a better deal than that. And I think what's happened is that Americans have kind of, fallen into this trap of thinking the only time to save are in our, is like Black Friday and a few other sales occasions, when in fact, you know, there are many ways to save throughout the year. And you don't have to be kind of a Black Friday sucker is basically what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so yeah, so the, the, that's the first part of what I'm saying. But there's a second part. Explain that. Okay. The second part is that, you know, I think what Black Friday has done 
is it's kind of goaded us into spending more than we need to spend. You know, it, it's turning shopping into sport. And look, I mean, we've all had that, that Sunday where we go to the mall and we say, oh, you know, you kind of have fun walking around and then maybe you buy something. I get it. But when we start spending, you know, in such an unreasonable fashion, you know, a deal is no deal if it puts you in debt. And here's an interesting stat, and this came from uh, the good folks at NerdWallet. 83% of Americans say they're overspending right now. I'm not talking about just on Black Friday, just in general, but clearly spending on major shopping, you know, holidays is probably a big part of that. 44% of those who have a monthly budget say they're using credit cards to balance those budgets. So, you know, if that's not a, a, a warning sign that maybe we should cool our heels a little bit on Black, Black Friday, I always also always love to report that, you know, when it comes to retirement uh, savings, you know, basically about half of American households say they have no retirement savings. Yeah. So I'm like, people, don't spend on Black Friday. Put money in your 401k. Because, I mean, it really gets to the heart of the, the American psychology about shopping and shop till you drop. I got an offer from, I am not joking about this, a casket company, a <laughs> casket company advertising deals for Black Friday. Now, I, I get it. You know, it's probably cheaper to buy a casket you know, direct from one of these casket companies than maybe going from the through the funeral home. But you know, I think that a I'm going to wait until I really need a casket yeah. before I buy one. I mean, I don't know where I would store it. You know, I don't have a garage either, by the way. <laughs> but I mean, but you know, it, it to me, it's just like if we're now worrying about like, oh, I got to get that Black Friday deal on a casket or that Cyber Monday deal on a casket. I think we're in trouble, Gordon. Thanks, Charles. Charles Passy reporter and columnist at MarketWatch. Tired of trying to separate fact from fiction? Get your information from a source you can trust. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Wednesday, November 22. Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Israel and Hamas have agreed to a four-day truce to allow for the release of hostages and the delivery of aid to Gaza. U.S. fighter jets hit militants in Iraq after firing on American troops. Actress Susan Sarandon has reportedly been dropped by her talent agency after remarks at a pro-Palestine rally. The college football playoff rankings... Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, then Washington. And the touching story of why teenagers flock to a grandmother's house in St. Louis on Wednesday mornings for breakfast. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Dell. Black Friday is Dell's biggest sale of the year. Save on laptops like the XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform and more. Shop now at dell.com slash deals. The soaring food prices over the past few years will take a toll on families nationwide this week while preparing for their Thanksgiving spreads. Food prices have been driven up in part because of supply side factors as well as the broader inflationary environment. Inflation has soared in recent years and the overall consumer price index is up more than 18% from the start of 2020. Here's Zach Halishak, economics reporter at the Washington Examiner. Zach set this up. Yeah, so we are getting a little bit of a break this year. Every year the American Farm Bureau 
compiles the average cost of a Thanksgiving meal, basically what it would cost to feed 10 people um, a decent amount of food with some leftovers. And they said this year it'll come out to about $61.17. That is a 4.5% decrease from last year um, when a meal was clocking in just over $64. So it's definitely down, but it's, it's worth noting that even though there's been a decrease, uh, Thanksgiving meal is still 25% higher than what it was in November of 2019 before the pandemic, before all the supply chain snarls, before the Fed uh, cut interest rates to zero and inflation took off. So people are still paying a lot more than they were just a few years ago. Mm. All right. So you said Thanksgiving food, like the, the, the staples around it, are a perfect example of food prices these days. How come? Yeah, I mean, it's a mixed bag of pretty much everything. You have a turkey makes up the main meat of it. Um, and uh, I, th- I think it's something like, you know, half of the price of it is, is just the turkey alone. But it also includes like uh, items like dinner rolls, which are include wheat and bread, um, cranberries. So like fruits and vegetables, uh, stuffing. Uh, it just kind of includes a uh, mashed potatoes, just a smattering of a whole bunch of different things. So it's kind of representative of the overall food profile and like how food has been moving. But I think it's worth noting that the big decrease where this is coming from that minus 4.5% is not really coming so much from the other items. Uh, a lot of the items have actually gone up a little bit, not much, or been about flat um, over from last year to now. Uh, the turkey was the one that saw a 5.6% decline. If you remember, I mentioned that turkey made up the biggest component. I think it was something like $27 of that $61. Um, and so that was kind of driving the overall decrease. It's just the, the cost of uh, a turkey has gone down since last year. We're speaking with Zach Halishak, economics reporter at the Washington Examiner. His piece is called Talking Turkey, Why the Cost of the Holiday Dinner Has Risen So Much in recent years. I think you said too, so we've seen this like slight decline in turkey prices, but wholesale turkey prices are sharply down, right? Like 30 to 40%. Where's that for consumers? Yeah, so they're they're not fully seen. That's wholesale prices. They're down like 30, 40% over the year. Um, And that's not really translating to consumers quite yet. Um, And there might be a few reasons behind that. Um, One of which is there's a multi-month lag on turkeys. So like when a slaughterhouse kills a turkey and they freeze it, that turkey can last months and months before it makes it to market. So some of these prices could be reflecting what they were at wholesale like eight, 10 months ago. Um, wow. So you're not seeing that immediate decline on the in the turkeys you see at the store. But the reason why wholesale turkey prices have fallen so much is because last year turkey prices were so artificially high. And that's because 2022 saw the worst year outbreak of the avian influenza or the bird flu um, that the U.S. has ever seen. So prices soared through the roof because supply was so so down. Uh, the thing about bird flu is if one bird on a, on a farm or in a flock, say there's thousands of birds, is infected, they have to kill the entire flocks yeah. to prevent it from spreading and then having those turkeys maybe escape and go to other farms and spread that. So there's just this massive culling. Millions of turkeys died um, last year. So that artificially drove the price up. And then this year has been re- relatively quiet with the avian flu. So you have all this excess of turkeys and uh, wholesale prices are being reflected immediately, but that's not yet being reflected to consumers at the grocery store. Finish up, if you would, by kind of weaving in the energy angle here. You referenced uh, natural gas and fertilizers. Sure. Th- uh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, so farms across the country, and not just turkeys, but any farm product, especially like 
uh, farms that grow vegetables and plants and wheat, uh, they're feeling the, the, the price for higher energy costs. Um, ener energy prices across the board have been way up from what they were in 2019, 2020, before the pandemic. Um, that's for a variety of reasons. Uh, one that was very obvious, you know, last year was the war in Ukraine and kind of the, the shockwave sent by that. Thanks, Zach. Zach Halishak, economics reporter at the Washington Examiner. Thanksgiving Eve, if you will. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm like going that with that. Like yes. that? Yeah, okay. that one I like. Yeah, the other ones uh, I'm not so sure on still after like a decade. <laughs> Time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, they say that the Internet is forever, and that goes doubly for politicians and celebrities who routinely have people going through their old posts to try to find any potentially cancelable offenses. Thankfully for Travis Kelsey, all of Taylor Swift's fans found was more reasons to give their thumbs up to their high-profile relationship. Kelsey's old tweets, mostly from when he was in college, have gone viral in recent days, including musings about IHOP, Taco Bell, and one enthusiastic squirrel, which he spelled wrong. And that's not the only misspelling in the tight end's old tweets. On April 27, 2011, Kelsey tweeted that he just went from class to therapy, and now he needs some Chipotle, hashtag Chipotle, actually, in which he mixed up the T and the L in Chipotle, which got the attention of the burrito chain. In response, one Kansas City Chipotle location has a new sign, with the name of the location spelled the Kelsey way. And it will remain that way until further notice. I like that. Yeah. Very clever. That was some quick action on their part. And yeah. that is not some, it wasn't like they, you know, covered it up with a piece of paper or a poster board or something. That is a really, they, that's an official sign. Wow. Like an official Chipotle sign that they had created pretty quickly and installed uh, just for this occasion. That is confidence in your brand, by yes. the way. Oh, yeah, for I like sure. That. I yeah. really like that. Yeah, yeah, not bad. So is the is the Spanish version uh, Chipotle, <laughs> and the Mexican is Chipotle? Is, is that what it is? I, don't I, know. I, I didn't even know. No, nah, I'm just asking. You're just making that I up. I, then, I have no idea. And then the U.S. is just Chipotle. Uh, yes, yeah, or something like that. Right? <laughs> I'm sure there are some people probably mm -hmm. who call it Chipotle. We have to get those people on as well. And uh, we all love Thanksgiving, but there's no, nothing that uh, nothing that anybody loves about how much work it takes to put on such a massive feast on the table. Which is why a North Carolina woman has gone viral for her unique way to make sure everyone in her large family is pulling their weight on Turkey Day. Colleen Cedarberg has instituted a Thanksgiving draft. Each food that needs to be made or job that needs doing is assigned a points value. And in the weeks leading up to the holiday, the family will hop on a video call to pick their assignments. Making a cranberry dish is worth one point, for example. Handling the turkey is a three-point job. <laughs> There's even a job for a kitchen floater who hangs out in the kitchen for an hour to make sure that it's kept clean, loads and unloads the dishwasher, etc. Everyone drafts eight points worth of jobs oh, so wow. that, in theory, everyone is doing the same amount of work. Colleen posted about the Thanksgiving draft on TikTok, and users have been loving it, watching it over 650,000 times. Wow. I yeah. like that. That's good. Yeah, that's that's, good. that's a good idea. She said she has, like, I think five siblings or something. So it's okay. just a massive family. Uh, any Thanksgiving dinner is just going to be a massive undertaking, so they really got to split everything up. I am, I am for sure. I don't know how many points it's worth. The kitchen floater. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not prepping food. <laughs> Nobody wants me in the kitchen doing that. But yeah, I, no. I'm more than willing to clean every dish, pot, pan, whatever. I'm, I'm willing to do yeah, that. Yeah, I could see you doing that, kind of going from station to station yeah, and uh, making sure everything's tidy. I know. I know my skills elsewhere are not welcome <laughs> or lack thereof. That is true. Thanks, Mike. It can be brutal trying to get over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house, but you don't have to let holiday traffic dampen your spirits. Truck drivers gave some tips to USA Today about Thanksgiving road trips. Number one, they were asked, how do you survive a 10-hour drive? 
One driver says, listen to audiobooks, and they're free now on the Libby app. As long as you have a library card, it's free. Number two, well, how often should you stop on a road trip? Most of the time, stop every three, four hours, they say, at very least, to stretch your legs. Number three, how do you save on gas? Drivers check each state for the average price of fuel. One trucker says he gets to Arizona, he'll only put in so much fuel knowing that fuel is cheaper in New Mexico. Another says the closer you are to the interstate, you're paying for that convenience as opposed to driving five miles into town. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel and Hamas have agreed to free 50 civilian hostages held by militants in Gaza in return for the release of Palestinian prisoners from Israeli jails and a pause in fighting. The Israeli cabinet approved the deal after a long deliberation that started Tuesday and went into the early morning hours of today in Jerusalem. It capped weeks of painstaking negotiations brokered by Qatar, Egypt and the U.S., marking the first major diplomatic breakthrough since the war began on October 7th. President Biden released a statement saying it's important that all aspects of the deal be fully implemented. Number two. A massive landslide in southeast Alaska has killed three people, injured a woman, and left three others missing. State troopers say three homes were in the direct path of the disaster Monday night near Wrangell, a fishing community with just over 2,000 residents and about 155 miles southeast of Juneau. Governor Mike Dunleavy has issued a disaster declaration. Number three. The suspect in the Custer County, Colorado triple homicide was arrested by New Mexico State Police after a 25-hour manhunt. Authorities say 45-year-old Hamney Clark killed three people and critically injured another Monday afternoon near the town of Westcliffe over a property dispute. Custer County Sheriff Rich Smith. We could not have responded to an incident of this magnitude without all the help we got from our community. The suspect and at least one of the victims were known to be in previous civil disputes over property lines and easements. Clark was taken into custody without incident. Well, we've heard a lot about the rising costs and short supply of Christmas trees this year, but if you live near a national forest and are willing to do some heavy lifting, you can get a tree for next to nothing. The U.S. Forest Service is encouraging people to cut down their own Christmas trees at a nearby federally protected forest, and all it will cost is a mere 5 or $10 for a permit. The Agriculture Department says cutting down small trees helps to thin densely populated areas and allows other trees to grow larger, providing space for wildlife and reducing wildfire danger. About 306,000 permits have been sold annually since sales began on recreation.gov three years ago. All right. Thank you, Jen. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. 
Thanks for being with us. It's Wednesday morning in St. Louis outside Peggy Winkowski's house. It's not just the sun that arrives at her front door, but a horde of hungry teenagers. They're all students from Bishop DeBorg High School ready to enjoy a hug with Grandma Peggy and a plate of hot food as part of what they call the Wednesday Breakfast Club. It took on new meaning when she lost her grandson, Sam Crow, a Bishop DeBorg sophomore, to a hit and run last year. Sam started the Breakfast Club after he announced that his grandmother could cook better than a local diner where the kids were meeting. So every Wednesday, teens would show up for bacon and eggs until the fateful July day when the group learned of Sam's death last year. But hoping to make the spirit of her grandson proud, Peggy was up before dawn, warming skillets, cracking eggs, and whipping batter. Good story from goodnewsnetwork.org. In a show of support, the teens came back in greater and greater numbers just about every Wednesday afterwards. CBS's Steve Hartman, who did a big story, calls it a heaping helping of healing. Happy Thanksgiving. For Jennifer Koshenka, Mike Gavin, and Dave Duncan, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.